Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise, the podcast that dives deep into the unexplored depths of cinema and occasionally the unexplained. This week, G-Baby and the usual suspect Steve embark on a journey into the heart of darkness and light with a discussion centered around Fearless from 1993, starring Jeff Bridges and Rosie Perez, a film that delves deep into the complexities of grief and trauma, fear, and the fragile nature of human existence. Join us as we discuss the motivations of the main characters, reflect on the existential themes presented throughout, go on a quick side quest to touch on gentrification, the impending storm of cash grab sequels, namely Twisters, and last but not least, anoint Shannon Sharp as our newest patron saint of the porpoise. You ain't a lady if you ain't 180. Two ten, count your boy in. I like that. The porpoises, midnight companions and keen observers, grapple with the lack of depth and connection with our characters in this enigmatic meditation on life and death, salvaged only in part thanks to Rosie Perez's poignant portrayal of grief as she shines as a beacon of light in an otherwise murky narrative. Twisters better mention the extreme. Unrealized idea. Unrealized. Let's wax this new lease on life porpoise. Don't do that. You see, we, we working on his brow chakra. We're just in back of the crown chakra. Baseball. So, yeah, before I get started here, I wanted to share with you a couple things. One is a story. A fun story that you're going to like. And the other, this is just the ridiculousness involved with Kanye's uh, rhyming scheme and some of the lyrics that he chooses to use. Now if I fuck this model and she just bleached her asshole and I get bleach on my t-shirt, I'ma feel like an asshole. <laughs> oh my God. So I didn't see his Super Bowl commercial, but I heard about it. I don't know if it was regional or if I just missed it, but Huh. I didn't see a Kanye commercial, although I I there was a couple parts patches I missed. Was it su- something super controversial or something or No, it was just from the clip I heard it was like, uh, spent all the money on the commercial, so there's no money left to make the commercial. So go to my website and we have shoes and stuff there for sale. It was just, you know, peak Kanye insanity. He's an enigma, that's for sure. Yeah, he's something. <laughs> It'll be like, okay, he's on, he lives on Mars. Yeah. Well, and because I don't, I don't follow him too closely, but it's like, is this, is this insane thing part of his <laughs> shtick or is it legitimate? And I really just don't care enough to, to follow him more closely. But yeah, I can't remember I what think I was at least to. At least part of it's got to be trolling. I can't remember what it was, but there was like a comedian who said that they met him. Like they were going on the same podcast or something. And before the show, he was like totally normal, conscious, you know, normal dude. But then as soon as the like camera turned on or the mics turned on, he went into his like. Oh, he got a new character mode. Yeah. So who knows? Huh? Well. Yeah, maybe he's just playing a role. 
It's and the long con. Yeah. <laughs> he's losing his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so along with Cam Newton right now, one of my other favorite personalities that I've really like latched onto is Shannon Sharp. Yeah. I I'm actually surprised this hasn't come up before. Are you talking about specifically the Cat Williams? Well, not just that, but that's definitely that's a high watermark right now. But yeah. uh yeah, just his kind of vibe. I guess he started a new vlog, video, podcast, whatever called Club Shay Shay. Club Shay Shay. Yeah, I I've actually heard him interviewed before and I'm pretty sure it was him. I hope I'm not confusing him with another like former NFL player who turned commentator, but he didn't have electricity or running water in his house. Oh yeah, dude. Until yeah. like in his teen years and like he had to shit outside. He shit outside yeah. and he had a house. Yeah. Crazy upbringing story. And I think he, he was talking about one time asking his grandma, like, Hey, if I ever make money, what would you like? And she's like, I'd like to go to bed when it's raining and not wake up wet in the morning. Fuck, that is wild. Yeah. Him and his brother, you're, you're not a bigger, you're not as big of a football guy. So you probably don't know his brother, but his brother Sterling Sharp. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You may have seen him as a commentator, but he, he was actually better than like as a pure athlete. He was better. And Shannon Sharp admits to it too. Like, yeah, he's way better. He, he got his career cut short by injury. But he was like one of the most dominant wide receivers in the game for like six years. I think he only had like a six or seven year career in the last two. He was hampered and he was yeah. like, yeah, I can't. I'm not the same. But there was like a four or five year period where he was like, you know, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, like you name it. He was he was that. But uh, yeah, there's a, I don't know if you saw the same one. It was probably like on an ESPN, like NFL films or something like a biography on the sharp brothers and they talked about that's where mm-hmm. i saw all that shit and they showed like their they go to their old house in south carolina or wherever it was and yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy and i think i can't remember where sterling went to to college but shannon sharp definitely took the road less traveled i, I want to say he went to like a jc for at least one or two years and then he went to a really small like all black southern college and just got noticed you know, yeah. and I think he got drafted in a really late round, like back in the NFL when they used to have like 10 and 12 rounds, not just the seven they have now. So, yeah, he definitely like. Yeah, crazy, crazy story. Squalor. Um, I guess we'll start with him because this one, I really love this one. Um, let me share this fucker. We have a. And, and he's also got a like, like, cool voice. He does, man. He's everything about him. He's just like, he just seems cool. He seems like yeah. a, a good hang. Yep. We'll also finally have a fucking Denzel devotional for once and a colloquial corner. A really fun one. Jam packed episode. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So this is the first one. This one fucking got me. You ain't a lady if you ain't 180. Yeah. <laughs> 210, count your boy in. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. It's almost better the end when he's all, yeah. <laughs> you ain't a lady if you ain't 180. Holy shit. He likes him big, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> evidently. Oh, I got to save that. That's for the colloquial corner. 
Okay. So fun story. I go to volunteer in my daughter's class for Valentine's Day. They're doing like games, a little party. So my wife. How, and I, how old's your daughter again? Just for context. Seven. 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 Okay. She's in first grade. Yeah, okay. that's a good point. So we go in there. My wife's doing like crafts and shit. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take bingo. Fucking easy. Which it was fine. It was fun. Our last rotation, we get this group of five kids. And one of this these kids, his name is Elias. And I loved him immediately. Okay. Chubby. So I immediately, we were like simpatico. Uh-huh. And he's like cracking jokes and stuff. And then I'm like, so I'm like flipping the cards over for bingo and their hearts with different faces and shit. I'm like, okay, red heart with eyeglasses and they're on their boards and immediately he's what like this bingo one is, game is this? it like little kitty bingo yeah. like valentine's day themed bingo with hearts with different faces on them and different yeah. colors like blue yellow whatever you scouting so the, I'm re- you scouting the the class to see like which one of you guys is coming out of my daughter <laughs> <laughs> no she's not she's not there yet soon so I call the first one and it's got eyeglasses like I do. And it's a red heart. And I'm flashing the card. I'm like, do you guys got it? And Elias immediately, he's like, this one's sus. This one's sus. And I was like, damn, dude, first graders are already using this new, new slang, you know? And then I I don't know if it was like an autism tick, but then thereafter, every other heart with glasses, it's like, this one's sus. I was like, what are you trying to say? I got glasses. What's sus about it? I was like, that's Cap. And then (laughs) then this other little girl starts laughing her ass off. Okay. But then the teacher comes over and she like kneels. And I'm laughing the whole time too. This Elias kid's just saying wild shit. And I'm laughing because it's funny. And like, he's goo. We have a future goo on our hands. (laughs) Fact. And the teacher comes up and like bends down to one knee and she's like whispering and talking to him. And I hear her talking about like, we don't say sus and like, you know, how like slang isn't like proper and all this shit. And the whole time I was just egging the fucker on. Yeah. <laughs> I even threw it back to him and said, that's cap. Like, I was like, oh shit. Anybody else turned to the, the teacher f- and been like, bitch, what is you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, I was like, I felt like kind of crawling out of my skin she didn't say anything to me but she had to have noticed me like that's that's when you kind of when she walks away that's when you kind of got to give the kid the eye like it's fine don't listen to her you know i gave him a wink i was like like (laughs) yeah it's fine (laughs) yeah he was cool anyway yeah i loved i loved his his presence and his name too elias yeah yeah that's a (laughs) solid he he is seven-year-old goo in the making so uh yeah that's a fun thing that happened to me on mothership earth outside of the pod what about you anything worthy of note before we get into it uh no no, nothing really comes to mind i look like a banker in this sorry rick those are the house rules all righty, here we go. Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise, the podcast where we dive deep into the dark and uncharted waters of film, high strangeness, and everything in between. This evening, you have been cordially invited to join us on this episode 89, where we'll be discussing a Jeff Bridges deep cut this time, uh, 1993's Fearless, directed by Peter Weir, also starring Rosie Perez, May Gusta, Isabella Rossellini, 
John Turturro and an early role for Benicio Del Toro. Uh, before we hoist a few wobbly pops and get going here, uh, allow us to introduce ourselves. I am your host and a resident cloaca admirer, Jim G. Baby. La, la, yeah. la, la, wait till I get my money right. And as usual, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Fuck your grapes! How's it going? Good. There's a weird Taylor Swift through line that's happening right now. I don't know if you've picked up on it, but all this Kanye music that you're into right now. Also, it's the week after the Super Bowl, and that was a big part of it. Also, episode uh, 89 I think one of her albums is 1989 and also Fearless is an album of hers. So there is holy shit. There is a lot going on. And we just had Logan on the Taylor Swift mega fan last week. This is a lot of, a lot of things kind of coming together. Coalescing. Yeah. She's a were. CIA plant. I think for sure. And it's just <laughs> taking over. The CIA put a chip in my brain. <laughs> How about for $2? Um, <clears throat> uh, any hoodles? Okay. Going back to that Canadian. I, w- one of the uh, comments on that, someone was like, the best Canadian fight chirp I ever heard was, Bud, I'll fold your clothes with you in them. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> pretty on brand. Me sober enough. <laughs> Ow. I've seen, I've seen some funny videos of, Canadians chirping at each other or getting ready to fight and they're like triple dog dare you or red line insult is like calling somebody a goofball or a goof like what are you gonna do you fucking goof <laughs> just so tame God. yeah look at this that's goofy so motherfucker over here and a banana cognac bitch alright that's enough fucking shenanigans we're about to break something down on a real level so fearless, 1993, Jeff Bridges, kind of an odd one, I guess. Uh, before I I get your take, because I'm really, really curious to see what your opinion is of this, because I had a certain opinion about it, and I watched it. I saw this. Fuck, I don't even know. Somewhere between eight and fifteen years ago, and I remember it having a pretty distinct like impact on me. And this this watch older. I don't know. I was going kind of back and forth. Like, I don't know if, if I really liked it as much as I thought it did. But um, before we do get into it, I think uh, it's interesting to note the director of this, uh, Peter Weir, who I'm this is kind of where it shows where I'm not as huge of a mood, movie buff as I think I am. I just knew like the name out there and I, I couldn't really attach it to anything that I knew that he did, but looking at it, um, this fellow's resume is pretty interesting. Uh, he, so first of all, he's an Australian director, kind of a self-made dude. Um, and he started with a movie called Gallipoli, which I had seen also at a younger age, which was a key role for Mel Gibson. It kind of started kind of springboarded him. And it was an Australian film, uh, about these two, Aussie sprinters that joined the war in world war one, uh, and their bond and everything. It's a really good movie. Um, but then he did witness, which I had no idea from 1985 with 
Harrison Ford, yeah. Danny Gloves. Never seen it, but I've act- seen the like picture on Netflix or Amazon, whatever. It's a good one. Kelly McGillis. Our old friend Jimbo's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Main squeeze. <laughs> um, then Dead Poet Society. No, you've probably never seen this, but I've it's seen one it, of hated uh, it. You didn't like it? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's for everyone, but it was definitely... I think one of the through lines from this guy is he's he's made films with people like Robin Williams that are traditionally like comedic actors in a more dramatic light uh, is one of his kind of hallmarks. Because as you'll see, so after this, uh, he did Fearless in 93. Then he did Truman Show in 98, which oh, I was like, Whoa. interesting. So he's kind of got a, he's got a pretty varied palette of shit going on but he's a high he's a really highly acclaimed um director and i think he did one more thing with russell crowe and then he kind of he hung it up when he was like 65 and hasn't done anything since which is another weird thing for most directors this caliber i feel like a lot of them just keep fucking going you know like scorsese and even francis ford coppola he's fucking old as shit he's still making films um so yeah He's still alive. He's like 75 or something like that. But yeah, he's got an interesting uh, body of work. But uh, so yeah, I guess without further ado, so I can stop talking for a fucking second. Uh, what do you think of this film, Steve Dog? Uh, this movie sucks shit. It was horrible. You didn't like it at all? Horrible. Damn. No, I fucking hated it. It was... Uh, I enjoyed... <laughs> I enjoyed the first few minutes with the plane crash scene. Uh, the couple flashbacks they had to the plane crash. The sort of second to last five minutes with the plane crash. Everything else was an hour and 50 minutes of just grief porn. One-dimensional one story of look at look at how sad these people are. I was really hoping for a sort of second angle of the story to make it a little more interesting, which we can, we can get into when we go through the, the plot if you want to. But uh, I thought a, because when I'm going through these or watching these and, and thinking about them later, I think if you were to rewrite this movie, what, what would you change about it? And there was a lot that I would change. But if you were to, if I was to wrap up this whole movie in one sentence, it would be two plane crash survivors are bummed in different ways for two hours. And that's it. There's really nothing more interesting about it beyond that, in my opinion. And one thinks he's God or has a God complex or thinks he's invulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I disagree with you on one in one way but another way i agree because like i said the first time i saw this it had a pretty profound impact on me and then this time watching it i was like what did i see in this film uh i think it's that kind of goes back to that you know your memory isn't always as reliable as you think it is kind of thing because i had i had a picture i had not remembering everything about it I had an idea of, of how it was going to hit me and like how I th- I thought about it the first time. And it just, it failed to really sink its hooks into me. Like I thought it was going to. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it could be. But I think it's it's it is saying something. It it is going for something, but I feel like it's it's way too abstract uh, for like a movie setting. And like I'm sure you'll bring up, this is based on a book, which probably in book form is more of a a better medium for something like this, like someone going through grief and like like a companion, like how to deal with it, maybe or just like a cathartic experience. Uh, I don't yeah, know. I, I could see that. I mean, especially because some of these other secondary characters seem to play no point at all that I could see where in the book they might be a little more flushed out. But all they did in the movie was give you a, an avenue of like, oh, maybe this person is going to enrich the story in one way or another. But each time it's like, no, not really. Like uh, the woman, the woman that he goes to see right after the crash, I was like, oh, this, this might have some interesting bearing on the story at all. Nope, not really at all. Uh, The kid, when he rescues the kid, I was like, maybe something interesting is going to happen with this kid in the long run. No. (laughs) Um, I mean, even like the lawyer, I thought they're painting this guy to be such a scumbag. Maybe he's going to end up being like a hero. No. And even the, even the psychiatrist who I love, love John Turturro. Yeah. He's which, a, he's a nothing burger in this movie. Yeah. I thought maybe he would have an impact on getting him out of his funk or showing him whatever. And I mean, if you want to compare uh, a Jeff Bridges movie with John Torturo from this to Big Lebowski, it is just no comparison at all. Yeah. And night and day characters too. They're like, couldn't be further apart on the spectrum that the, like the characters that they play in Lebowski. Yeah. And speaking of the spectrum, uh, I don't know if, <laughs> if as I get older, I am venturing further over on the spectrum or, I'm just getting more like sociopathic or just burned out emotionally, but I did not connect emotionally with these characters at all. Like I, I I just didn't, I didn't really feel bad for either one of them. I was just kind of waiting for a, a subplot that would make more sense to come through that never did, you know, Mm -hmm. cause from beginning to end, it's like, Oh man, they both had this near death experience. They're both really sad about it. And then it ends, you know, so yeah, where, where I thought it was going to start turning was, well, I guess I should also say this one, just like, so I married an ax murder that we did last week. It, it suffers a little bit for me with, um, the backdrop of San Francisco and how nice it was way back then. <laughs> and I just, it's so distracting to watch yeah. it now. Like, Fuck. God, that city was so nice or nicer. And yeah. it, it is funny. One of the little side scenes that go to Oakland and they're like, man, can you believe how fucked up this city is? And it's like, that actually looks really nice compared to what it is yeah. now. But yeah, when he talks about it was about to, but he says too, he, he mentions gentrification yeah, in like this glowing like sense, which <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that doesn't, it has, not maybe a, a full on negative, but approaching negative connotation. But he, and he, the way he was saying it, like this would have been great to force out all these 
you know, black families that have been here for generations and make way for the whites and make everything all nice and pretty, you know, like the way he was saying, it, I was like, mm, I don't think that's what is intended by that. Yeah. I mean, it could just be like gentrified in the modern context has that kind of tone to it because now I think what they would say to avoid that connotation is oh uh we're gonna revitalize this area you know we're we're gonna (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna put some investment into it and we're gonna really just really just get this area going Uh, and then in the future revitalize is gonna be like the past version of gentrify like you're just trying to get white people in there is what you're saying and dude i need to find it even not for the pod, just to send it to you because uh, George Carlin has this like 10 minute, 12 minute rant that he goes on about euphemisms. How it's like this. It's so good, man. It's so fucking good. Anyway. Yeah, dude. Nailed it with the uh, revitalization. <laughs> yeah. But so there was one moment Almost like you're going to a fucking health spa or something. Yeah. Revitalize. Or what is it when he, when Derek goes to the fucking the spa oh i forget or or no uh it made me think when he's doing that fucking water commercial he's like water is the essence (laughs) of life (laughs) Um, it's like water is the essence of moisture and moisture is the essence of beauty or something like that (laughs) it's like god damn it derek (laughs) you're more dead to me than your dead mother uh but so winning the match pop I did think it was going to start to get interesting where because it shows him shirtless and he's got the cut on his rib. And then when he goes to the church, uh, Jesus, yeah, they like zoom in on it. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. So I thought it, I I thought it might go a couple different ways where he's literally God and he saved all these people. Like he was put there for the purpose of saving them. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, the other thought was like, maybe he's actually dead and this is all just a hallucination or yeah. third, like he thinks he's God. Um, and it kind of just, I mean, that one's like the closest where he just thinks he's invincible, which I don't know the fucking strawberry thing, dude. It, it, so I actually watched this with the misses. And when it gets to the point where he eats the strawberry at the end, it was like a laugh out loud moment. Like, this is so fucking stupid. I can't believe this is actually what's happening. And then he just wills himself. I need you to save me. And then he just wills himself out of going into anaphylactic shock to death. Yeah, that's not the way CPR. A, she wasn't even doing fucking chest compressions. Just mouth to mouth. (laughs) And they even say it's like, if you got to do one of the two. It's chest compressions yes. and you can omit the fucking for people who don't know, like the, the mouth breathing is like a small part of that equation. Like if you're not able to, or if their heads confined or something, it's yeah. always the chest compressions is you're pumping, you're fucking hitting that heart. That's what's doing it. Yeah. The, the analogy I heard from a, from a gal who's an EMT is usually the person has enough oxygen in their body that you just need to keep the blood pumping because it's like your car is full of gas you know Mm -hmm. it doesn't need oxygen as much as it just needs like the blood to pump i don't know if that's what she actually said or if i've got it backwards but um i i I still don't really understand the symbology (laughs) or symbolism of the strawberry like yeah i get it when he gets out 
and avoids death. He's not afraid of eating something he's allergic to because he thinks he's invincible. And then, but then what, what happens right before he eats it in the end to he's like, I am vulnerable. And then he eats it and then almost dies. Like what, what's the fucking message there? I just thought it was really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't remember that from my first watch and I had a problem with, I was like, okay, how come he can eat them early on? And it does nothing. And then at the end, obviously, like he eats it, knowing that it's going to put him into shock. Was he just dreaming that, hallucinating that? Or, I mean, to get kind of freaky deaky out there for a bit, I have heard, and I mean, we've all heard, I know you're familiar with like the fucking placebo effect and shit. Yeah. Like the mind does have power, but how far do you want to take that? Like how how far, you know? So I, I guess would would the argument be when he's in this like, completely disassociative post near death state where he's not feeling anything or thinking anything. He he's uh, invincible to the allergy or whatever. But then when he decides like, I do want to be a real person, then yeah. he, that's fucking dumb. I mean, it yeah. makes sense in, in the story, but I, it's just dumb. Yeah. Because, I mean, for for all the, the times that that could or would happen, how do we know that that's not like some kind of cosmic fluke, you know, that that happened and not something actually real? Or if it was like real, you know, mind over matter, the power of the mind kind of thing. I mean, we don't know. There's so much to unlock in the human brain and there's so much stuff that people don't know and won't ever know. Yeah. But it it did feel a little like it felt like a cheap um tool or mechanism in this to yeah. be like cuz I mean it's so on the nose at the end too he's like oh I need you to save me. Yeah. Like so literal and I'm and then like oh there's strawberry chomp I'm yeah. I'm dying. Yeah, it, it I don't like I didn't remember it ending so abruptly, man. I remember having like a fucking profound experience but I don't know. Maybe it was because the thing that that did hit me this time was seeing even more so because, like I say, you know, you have kids, it, it changes your perspective on things. So the way I will say a huge positive that remained for me was uh, Rosie Perez, like her depiction of like right when we cut to her when she's at home and she's like completely fucking out of it. Like that, that hit pretty hard. I was like, dude, if you're in that position, it's like, yeah, she just wants to die. Like yeah. you'd be like actively, but she's the, how numb she is. She looks pale, like probably just going over, you know, over and over the last moments of her baby's life. Like I, I felt like she nailed that grief, like pretty hard Yeah, in that, that opening. Um, yeah, I, yeah I would... honestly, I don't, I don't have a ton more positives. Uh, because yeah, I kept, I kept trying to go back and forth. Like, does he think that he's God? And it's like a mind over matter thing that's allowing him because he is deluded himself at the end of the day. Uh, and he almost kills a woman like going through it with the car and stuff. Like he's, he's, he's deranged is what he is. He's like, fucking like, fuck you to his wife. And like, like treating his kid like shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> It's like, like you're not a good dude. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody's, but he's not. 
it's weird too because he's not stepping into like the savior complex like he's not doing it for the adoration or anything but i I guess I'm cur- I'm I'm most curious about or I can't decipher what he's going for or like his motivation on the inside. Yeah. Um, and maybe he's figuring it out too in the context of this film. But well, I think cuz you the, see like that sorry, I'm fucking motor mouthing it. No, no, you you're, you're fine. Uh I think the argument would be like people deal with grief differently. It's like, yeah, but I don't think many soldiers coming home from war would be like, this was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Me almost die. You know, it, it seems like an, yeah. like a, a less believable, crazy version of, hey, you know, everybody deals with grief differently. And some sometimes it just shows up in, in a weird way. It's like, yeah, he seems more like the guy in office space who gets hypnotized and is just like, I don't give a fuck about anything. That's a good that's a good comparison actually. I didn't think about that at all. But yeah, he does play that like really stoic, like just kinda not not so much nihilistic, but just like like none of the shit applies. Just completely to me. apathetic. I like don't I don't care about my yeah. wife, my kid. She's like, Why didn't you call? And he's like, I thought I was dead. Like, I don't I don't give a fuck. Right. I will say, uh I did think Rosie Perez I don't know her from anything. I know she was in White Man Don't Jump. Never seen it. Um, White Man Don't Jump. <laughs> White Man or whatever. Can't Jump. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it means you'll be a psychically attacked. Um, I thought her acting was really good. She really fucking annoyed the shit out of me the entire time, though. Her character just bugged me. Um, really? Yeah. I think. Well, I think part of it might be, and you can tell me. Um, Cause you know, you know, I'm weird with like accents and speech impediments. And, She's got a certain accent, but that, it's not. Yeah. It's not the accent itself. It's that it's inconsistent. So I couldn't tell if she, like, had an accent she was trying to mask, or if she didn't have one that she was trying to um, exaggerate. And it was mm-hmm. just, it was so distracting to me. It it reminded me of. Um, Idris Elba in The Wire because he's a Br- oh, yeah. he's a British guy playing an American oh. guy, but I didn't know him mm-hmm. for being British at the time. But he had this like weird speaking cadence and tone where you can mm-hmm. just tell like something's weird. He's either he's either trying to do like a weird Baltimore Mid Atlantic accent and failing terribly, mm-hmm. or he's trying to cover up like a Minnesota you know accent or whatever. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, her, her accent and tone, like she was very whiny and screechy and annoying, but I thought her acting was really good. Yeah. I think it it still held up for me. Her, her performance, she definitely knocked it out of the park. She actually got, this is the only film she's ever been nominated for an Oscar for best supporting role. She didn't win, but she was nominated for this role. But yeah, she's, she does have a little, it's, uh, it might be the way she says tease. She kind of, she has a, a thing, but also she really like, like the word talk. She says it like there's a W in there, like talk, like a T U O. Like it's got a really hard, like New York. Yeah. Maybe or, or Boston twang on it, but yeah, I can definitely see her. She is fucking moping to the whole fucking movie. Damn near, but 
I th- I thought her hers was most powerful because not only she she had like the double whammy, right? She had the trauma of the physical and mental being in a plane crash and then your baby dying, but then also having the guilt that she thought she was the reason like yeah. she made it her she had her baby with her. Her baby should have made it too and having that guilt of not being able to strap it in and holding on to it which they go through great lengths with like the car wreck for him to prove like, yeah. yeah, like, see, this is, this is to scale this toolbox. Yeah. It probably weighs four times the amount as the baby did. And like, dude, I, only I feel been... like that could have like ripped a gouge in her fucking arm flying out of her arms. Like, Oh, you're dead now. So yeah. I fucked up that lesson, you know? So two things real quick. I will even go triple trauma on her because She's looking for her baby dead, but then he comes out with a baby and is like, I have your baby. Oh, and she's like, yeah. Oh, nice. Fuck. No, this isn't my baby. So for just a second, yeah. she's like, everything's fine. Um, yeah, that, that one, that is brutal. Yeah. It is like a triple, triple bang. And yeah, the scene when they go shopping for like, um, what would you buy? Little, Billy or whatever, bubble, bubble, and I'd buy this for my dad, and and the weird like affair sort of energy they have together. It's like, what the fuck is happening? I could have swore they fucked, man, because like in this, I was like, it made me see Rosie Perez in kind of a new light, and I was like, dude, are we fucking or what? Because <laughs> I like what's happening here. I could have swore they did, but they never, they just have like that one little kind of kiss in that moment where they almost, something almost happens, but yeah, yeah, that part was really weird. And I guess it was like them working out their own catharsis between, you know, people that meant a a ton to them in their lives and them like somehow, yeah, I don't know. So this was another moment where I thought this could be a very cool gear gear shift or whatever where uh when he wakes up from intentionally crashing into the brick wall everything between the plane crash and him waking up was all a dream and Mm -hmm. you know because he's all fucked up and but he's doing this like weird hero thing but when he wakes up it's like oh no you're just you just almost died and i don't know it's just like one more thing where i was I was really looking for some kind of extra sauce that just never yeah. came. Yeah, that that would have been an interesting way. And then take the movie from there, you know, and him pick up the pieces from that point, understanding that that was like all a delusion or a, a part of this accident, you know, hallucination. Yeah. It, so I haven't seen the movie in a million years, but it reminded me for obvious reasons of that movie Hero. Dustin Hoffman, yeah, Andy Garcia, yeah, dude. This is they, a shittier version up, of that. <laughs> when I was looking up trivia, though, it, it was compared uh, to that because it is very similar. Um, well, it's got to be in, the same time frame, right? Yeah, I want to say Hero was ninety three, also, or maybe ninety four. Who's that? Gina Davis, also. I don't know. It's been forever since I've seen it. I know this one Pretty was ninety three sure. for reasons that I will get into shortly but yeah i'm Hero pretty sure was it was right Gina around Davis. that same time 
Yeah, because I was crushing on her hard. Oh, this came out a year earlier, 92. And yeah, it was Dustin Hoffman, Andy Garcia, Gina Davis, Joan Cusack. Damn. Uh, damn, Susie Cusack, I guess it has to be related because she looks exactly like John Cusack. That's wild. Um, so yeah, dude, think, that's funny that do you think this is actually like a, seen that movie. That's Dante's pretty obscure Peak movie. Volcano situation where <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Fuck. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of stuff like Armageddon and Deep Impact mm-hmm. came out at the same time. Yeah. Both great movies. I, dude, I, I think I saw Deep Impact like three times in the theater. That was a pretty bad, rad movie. Um, have you seen the like Have you seen the preview for the new Twister movie? Twisters. Yeah. Yeah. I I was watching it on an iPad and I wasn't like fully engaged with it, so I don't know. I'm going into it. It feels optimistic. a little cash grab. Yeah. I'm hoping they I is mean it be, is it because of the fella from the new Top Gun who's giving you hope? I mean Glenn he Howard, he wasn't my favorite part, name? uh Glenn something. Yeah. Um Hangman. That's a pretty badass call sign though. Yeah, especially when they explain like that's why they call him Hangman, because he's going to hang you out to dry when the shit gets rough. Um, <laughs> I mean, we love Twister, obviously. Bill Paxton. Yeah. So what I'm hoping they do, speaking of Top Gun, I hope they somehow tie it back into the original. Like, oh, this is Helen Hunt's kid who, you yeah. know, her mom died they tragically. Say they're, they say they're not doing that, but I think it would... Who said that? They, Fuck. The, you know... The, I mean, you, if, there's, you know, if, there's no, if there's no connection to the original, that takes my interest level down a little bit because it's like, wow, okay, cool. It's just going to be modern special effects. And I, I they're saying that, but I think that they're that's just ooh, a PR a marketing move. Yeah, mm. because you in the theater in the trailer you see a shot of the dolly. Yes, or Dor- yeah. Dorsey of the yeah. shit. Yeah, so it has to be. It has to be a relation. It has to be based on their work, or they'll be mentioned at least by like name. Yeah, maybe like a picture and like a montage going through like records or something. But yeah, I don't know. It feels a little cash grabby to me, like this, because you know to call back and do remakes and reboots and sequels, like Top Gun for yeah. one. You know. 25 years later or whatever it was i feel like they're just they they looked at like what's a property that has built in nostalgia that never had a sequel that probably doesn't have any business needing a sequel yeah but the second top gun was so good well yeah that's i guess that's kind of an anomaly but yeah. i mean there i can't think of another example off the top of my head but um like Anchorman yeah, 2 or uh, Zoolander Dude, 2. Anchorman. <laughs> I think Zoolander 2 is probably more apropos, but uh, which I didn't see because I heard it, it tanked so bad. I was not interested. But Dude, Anchorman 2 was brutal. Super Troopers like, 2. Yeah. There's a couple funny parts, but yeah, it didn't have the same shine on it. Yeah, I, I guess the Twister thing is surprising because I don't feel like it was like a huge blockbuster. Oh, it was brother. Was it? Okay. Oh yeah. I just assumed yeah, it, it sucked up. because I liked it so much. It would be like if they came out with Con Air too, no. you know, I would no. be ripping my shirt off, putting on an American flag headband, <laughs> be the first in line, but I don't think that would be the most popular movie in the world. 
No, this was like up there, like Men in Black, like Independence Day, like level. Yeah. Oh yeah. They better fucking tie it back. Yeah, I'm. I'm hope. That's my only hope for it. If it's just a, if it's just a name like Twisters. Yeah. And it's in the same region. Even if they just mention his name one time, I feel like that's too cheap. If you're gonna, if you're gonna the do that, you, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it even it even seemed like it had a similar vibe. Like he's dangerous, you know, unreal. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> are, are we really just copy and pasting? He's a corporate kiss butt. <laughs> yeah, you you can't put it past Hollywood these he, days. He, he's not in it for the science. Shameless. I feel like that was a word for word, like. He's in it for the money, not the science. Honestly, the only thing I remember is that fucking googly-eyed twins. Yeah. And there's two fucking... I was like, I don't like that guy already. Well, hopefully at least you there's like... Okay? I'm a bad person. Hopefully at least there's like a, a, a pretext of like, yeah, you know, since climate change has gotten so much worse, you know, like a modern stank. I'm that sure it will. On it. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Damn. Or what if it's yeah, like kinda... what if it's like Dusty's kid? <laughs> Food makes a good look. Makes a good looking boy. Yeah, Meg, we Food. need sustenance. <laughs> he does that. He's like, woo! <laughs> Did you see my cows out front, dude? That's got to be top five like eating scene, like montage scene in a film that makes, that makes me hungry. Like every time it's like, dude, I want like a big plate of mashed potatoes and like fucking steak. Gravy. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. That gravy looks so good. Fuck. I haven't had good gravy in a long time. My grandma, my grandpa used to make this fucking uh, wine gravy with like red wine. Like it, uh, way more, uh, watery like juicy than like uh like a thicker Mm -hmm. like a roux type sauce fuck it was so good dude make it with like roasted onions and put it on shit dude it was so fucking good yeah we've really uh jumped the shark here yo man you get the feeling you was being watched uh on fearless i feel like we're doing we're giving it a little bit short shrift but because i think it, it it does have more to say but it is weird. Like this time I watched it, I was like, yeah, fuck man. I th- I think there's one other movie I suggested. And I think I even liked it less than you. I can't remember what it was. I'm going to try to bring it up, but yeah, this is definitely it, one of those. I don't think it was too long right. ago. I feel like it was in the early days. May- Spanish prisoner. I wasn't as hot on and that barely got a passing grade, but I think it was. While well, you look, I will say I was surprised. Uh, not by the IMDb score of 7.1, because that's just obviously within two tenths of a point of every movie on there. But yeah, the Rotten Tomatoes was 84 with the critics and 80 with the people. That seemed high. Damn. But yeah, I know this is this is highly like it's well thought of. And it, I think it it also has a chip on its shoulder because it got a lot of people liked it and it got snubbed at the Oscars outside of Rosie Perez. Like a lot of people thought that Peter Weir should have gotten at least a nomination for director or bridges, uh, performance or best film. And it didn't get nominated for anything besides 
supporting actress uh, or supporting actor. So maybe it was versus. No. Trying to look through a fucking. No, you think you think that upon rewatch, I liked versus more than you. Yeah, that's a good point. That's in my top, maybe. That's maybe. in my bottom two or three of worst fucking movies we watched. It's got to be it. Well, I know Spanish Prisoner because I didn't like that at all, and then I think it may have been Matchstick Men. No, I thought it was more recent than that. I, I think it might have been Spanish Prisoner where you didn't like it. No, it was Existence. Yeah. That's what it was. That weird fucking movie with Jude Law and Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, but fucking I hated jacking that in. from beginning to end. No, I just meant like a movie that I also hated. Not one that I oh, hated and you liked. Sorry, I, I misunderstood. I thought you were saying it was a movie that you liked and didn't like, but then you were surprised that I liked it. No, okay. it was just one that I had recommended. And then when I watched it, I was like, why did I recommend oh, this? Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Maybe. What do you think about Bridges in this? Like stripping okay. away like the story, like his per, his performance, like physical. He's got a little bit of physical uh, chops in this, but. Yeah, I thought he was okay. okay. I, I mean. I'm not I'm not the one to like really be a critical acting like I'm not I'm not one to be a, a, a critic of acting that much, but I don't know. I was a little underwhelmed. His character was also kind of annoying and a dickhead. Mm-hmm. His wife, Isabella Rossellini. The only thing I know about her is her brief appearance in Friends, and based on oh, the look yeah. on your dumb face. I know that's what <laughs> <laughs> the laminated card. <laughs> it's like, oh, I just took you off my list. Hmm. Yeah. What does she say? It's like, oh, so I guess I'll have to keep dreaming about some other random <laughs> fucking Joe Schmo on a coffee shop or something. She had a really good retort, but yeah. I know she's a name too, and she's like the daughter of Ingrid Bergman, but um, yeah, I I don't I can't think of one thing I've seen her in besides this. Uh I mean, she seems kind of like a I don't know, kind of like a wretch a little bit, but <clears throat> I think she has the right to be the way her husband's like acting, but <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you almost died and instead of driving home, uh you drove to LA to meet with this Bitch, I did like fuck. I meant to tell you or ask you did the uh, the scene where he meets with his ex and she's like, "I'm fat. My husband is cheating on me. My daughter hates me." I thought that was pretty funny, but yeah, it was like super morbid and like <laughs> he's just like got any straw. I know I want a full thing of strawberry. He's like so concerned about you know like I'm I'm invincible. I'm gonna fucking prove it right now but and then there's a part two where she's like are we doing this like because he he says something like like i'm taking a, a, a no he, he gives her, he gives her something. The, the strawberry and was like eat one and she's like forbidden fruit yeah and he's like exactly i didn't come right. here for that and she's like yeah okay nah. because because he asked her like 
uh, are you gonna fuck anybody else? And she's like, who'd have me? It's like, well, <laughs> no one with that attitude. Yeah, right? Jesus Christ. Try a little harder there, Sally. Um, yeah, that was weird. Um, yeah, I don't... I, I like I like bridges in this well enough, but I, I think the story just like I don't I'm more wanting to like try and remember and I can't failing at it like what what about this so affected me. But maybe at the time I just hadn't seen as many films and had a, a more well rounded like uh taste. And this like just blew my nuts off, because um, I mean it it does it does deal with kind of like grief and and like wondering what happens after you die and like I mean some of this stuff's pretty poignant like when you're talking about like when you're getting they're getting down to brass tacks about like if if nothing matters you know like why do you get up out of the bed in the morning you know like some of those kind of cliche things like yeah that's that that people are forced to like think about when something really bad happens but then you 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 have to shut you have to shut that part of your brain off to function for the most part and then it's it's during these times of trial and tribulation that are really hard where you ha- where you're forced to I mean, some people do it and maybe they're more well-rounded individuals. They think about it all the time or at least frequently, like, like how fragile life is and like not to take it, like don't take any day for granted, this kind of thing. And that's part of their mantra. But there's other times too, where you like, it fades into the background you don't think about it. You're just living your life. And then something happens and you're forced to like, look at something and, and examine it. Um, yeah. I mean, even, I don't know. even, I think even the like religious aspect wasn't fully flushed out in the movie anyway, because when he's telling the story of his dad getting just sniped walking out <laughs> on the sidewalk and yeah. then when they go to the church with her, it's like, I, I, I just don't feel like this was fully explored. Yeah. It's like, okay, but what's, what's your point? Like, is there no God? Is there a God? are we all a God? Like, yeah, it's not, it's not saying anything. It's not taking a risk to take a stand on something, but I mean, it makes you think though, like it made me think if something like that did happen, I would probably go into that kind of state that Rosie Perez was in like to a child. You had not only like survivor guilt, but then like the trauma of, of seeing it. And then having to grapple with how do you go on the rest of your life um, with that kind of a loss and and guilt and and shame too. Um, well, and then when she comes to visit him in the hospital, and she's like, "I have to say goodbye," and you need to say goodbye too. Like, why? I don't. I don't. Is it just too unhealthy for them both to? This movie fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely was I was definitely left wanting after watching this. And I mean the ending is very abrupt too. Like it it hard cut to credits after he fucking And I mean, yeah, for for everything that it's going for, it just felt like 
really cheap to be so on the nose right at the end about like like force feeding you the fact that like I, I feel like they could have been more nuanced about he's a savior he saved all these people and it's like but what about him you know what about him like who's gonna save him yeah and they come out and say i need you to save me (laughs) oh and then here's the strawberries it's just like for everything for all the build-up and 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 the things you were going for it it just it didn't feel like it matched uh the ambition maybe of what they were going for but i think the only positive is that it did make me kind of stop and like, it's those scary moments like that you think about sometimes when you, whenever you do think about death and like, especially as you're getting older, like, is it, is this just it? And, you know, sometimes I think like you see people die every day and like in the middle East and like, you see someone step on a fucking bug and like just life in general, the way it exists. It's like, what does, what does this fucking shit mean? Yeah. Like, what is it? What is the fucking purpose? Like, and it's kind of demoralizing when you think about it on that kind of a level. But I mean, the way I grapple with it too, it's like, I feel like living forever is almost like a hell sentence in itself. If you look at it, a certain way too so that's not the answer not like i want to live forever but maybe that you just want it to mean something you know yeah i don't know well i've got a good transition because what you're describing i was trying to think about like what's a good what's a better version of this movie that deals with like an existential crisis you know about your Mm -hmm. life and whatever blah 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 so this leads me to, I was trying to look up a bad review, but usually what I, I like to do is if I like the movie, I find a bad review. If I don't like the movie, I try to find a, a really good review that's just idiotic. Bunkers. <laughs> yeah. so, really farm this one out. Yeah. <laughs> so I found a good review from, uh, I can't remember if this was on Amazon or... Rotten Tomatoes, but the person's name is Caffeinated Clint, and he okay. writes on behalf of Movie Hole. And the entire the entirety. Movie, wait, sorry, Movie Hole. Movie Hole. 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 Join the hole. And the entirety of his <laughs> review says the best film of its time. Okay, so this isn't even the best film of the year in San Francisco. <laughs> That's Mrs. Doubtfire, 1993. Good point. Okay. Dude, that's wild. There's so many, like, I, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, I was like, fuck, because I, I could have swore this was always LA. Like, I just thought Fearless and like the movie cover of him on a skyscraper, Blue Skies. I was like, oh, it's LA. And I was like, damn, back-to-back SF, prominent SF Landscapes. Sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. So I have a list here of other movies that were put out in 1993. Oh, this sounds fun. So his his review said of its time, which would be early, mid 90s. Yeah, I think of its time, you could even go a decade. Yeah. So this guy's fucking dumb. 
So I just limited this to 1993 to show him how dumb he is. Uh, so Schindler's List, obviously. I thought that was 94. Is that 93? It's 93. All right. I won't split hairs. Sorry. So I looked this up because I was so upset about it. So the following three I haven't seen, but they're well regarded you you'd you'd have to tell me. Philadelphia, true romance, a Bronx tale. Oh yeah, all better. Okay, all ninety-three. Sure. Now we yeah. get to my list of all ninety-three movies that are better. Tombstone, Jurassic Park, Damn. JP, The Fugitive, Falling Down, Damn, Sandlot, Cliffhanger. Whoa. Three Musketeers. Holy ballsack. And the cherry on top, one of my favorites of all time, Groundhog Day. Damn, dude. 93 was on fucking yes. fire. Yes. Holy shit. Yeah, it's easy to see how this one kind of got buried beneath all that. I mean, yeah. if you don't like spaghetti and meatballs, why don't you get the hell out? <laughs> hey, listen, I'll come down and give you a crew cut, mister. Let's see your clippers. Not my problem, your father was sick. <laughs> you always order a three-piece cheesecake. <laughs> Damn. I didn't really... I See, I know I have a lot of nostalgia for like early and mid-90s, even fucking late-90s stuff. Because, uh, I mean, that's when we were like teenagers, you know? So, but yeah, I didn't realize there was that many fucking bangers. 93 was a like, banner year, apparently. Those are all triple A bangers that you just rattled off. So, damn. Yeah. This is definitely at the bottom of that list for sure. Fearless it is. Um, I think Demolition Man. Have, Demolition Man was on that list. Never seen it. Demolition Man's good. It's fun. It's definitely more your style too because it's like, it is a little sci fi, but it is, it's an action film. It's a Sylvester Stallone, Wesley Snipes action film. Oh, like, hell yeah. Dude, Wesley Snipes is awesome in that movie. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, dude, I know 95 had Heat, too, because I think Heat by Michael Mann, Al Pacino, fucking The Net, Sandra Bullock. Never seen it. Uh, oh, I... I might have to add that one to the list. 95, dude, 96, 97 had crazy fuck like Independence Day, Men in Black. Yeah, there's tons of stuff. But yeah, 93 was loaded. Do you have any more? Did you pick out any bad reviews that you wanted to highlight for this no. episode? No. Okay. Well, that I think I'll I'll pick up that slack then on we have uh we actually do have a both a Denzel devotional and a colloquial corner besides the talk that I had about Elias earlier. Where the fuck did I put this shit? Okay, here we go. All right. So I guess let's, uh, let's start us off with a, a Denzel devotional. And now it's time for our weekly Denzel devotional. In nomine Patris et et Spiritus Sancti. I think this is pretty run of the mill cliche, but 
uh, it's a younger Denzel and it's one I haven't, I, I had not come across before. So I will share that one right now. I just can't live my life based upon what other people think about me. So I can't concern myself too much with what other people think, you know, it's just not healthy. I, I don't think I'll I could continue to do what I do if I was constantly worrying about what somebody thought about it. Yeah, pretty standard, but wise words nonetheless from one of our patron saints here at the Porpoise. It's been a while since we flashed back to a little Denzel. So the next one I have is one I'm very excited to share because I think it's one of my, my favorite new usages of slang right now. So we'll get we'll just cut right into the colloquial corner. You look very excited. Corner. <laughs> yeah, this is this is gonna be great. All right, all right. So this is a gal I've been following on Instagram recently. I can't remember her name, so I'll link that. But uh, she, it's kind of like uh, some people like repost like uh, Reddit confessionals. You know, like people that just spill their fucking guts, dude, about wild shit. I mean, I'm I'm sure a huge percentage of that is people looking for attention or just trolling. But I mean, some of it's got to be just, you know, there's freaks out in the world. And so she reads these confessionals like every other day. And this one has a piece of slang in it that really hit my tune and fork. So without further ado. Yeah, and I'm upset. We were so nasty and I loved it because we were so comfortable with each other. He used to let me stick a finger in his boot while I did the stroke <laughs> combo. It turned me on so much, especially when he told me he couldn't wait to get on all fours for me. Oh, oh sis, he's having yeah. a time. He having yeah, a time in jail. I confess that you're Oh my god. Fucking Bucci cat. <laughs> I had to look it up. It's already on like Urban Dictionary and shit. It's just another name for a butthole, specifically a man's butthole. Bucci cat. Dude. So awesome. I was putting my my finger in his Bucci cat and everything. He couldn't wait to get on all fours for me. Like, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, that shit just had me dying. The old the old Bucci cat. What a segue from Fearless, this film about like existential trauma, post traumatic, like life death the afterlife and we're we're ending on the old booch cat um dude there is no shortage of like really positive reviews of this on imdb and i feel like they're giving they're doing way more of the work than the movie is presenting like this is them like going out and you know writing something that that wasn't there in the movie, but maybe yeah. kudos to it for putting people off in that kind of path. But um, yeah, I, I read some of those where they're experience. like, this was like a beautiful movie 
the story was riveting and compelling and it, it restored my faith in humanity and gave me an extra zest right. for life. And I just, I didn't get that at all. Yeah. It's like, what's the point, man? Oh, <laughs> I think I'm, I'm God. I, I'm invincible. Like he almost has like an air of like cockiness or like hubris. That's all of a sudden just like come out. It's like, doesn't that go against the grain? You should be like more fortunate, like count your blessings. Like, fuck dude. I could have just got my head ripped in half. And like, you know, I came out the other side. Now I have a greater appreciation. Like things are more full and rich. And it's like almost like a high for him. Like he's like, cause he, we didn't talk about it, but there's multiple, there's at least two other scenes where I feel like he's got to get that thrill. Like he, he's like, Oh fuck. Oh fuck. Like the fear's coming back to him. Yeah. Like the fear I I'm, I need, I'm not going to die a coward. He says that or whatever. I'm not going to live like a coward. And he goes to that fucking skyscraper and dances up. Like he's like, Oh fuck. You know? And then it like, it washes over him. Like, Oh no, I'm past all this. Like it, it felt like a, Yeah like an addictive thing. Like you're chasing something that's illusory. Like you're chasing the dragon, you know, like I didn't, I didn't understand like, like what, what I'm supposed to get out of that. Like, cause that would be the opposite of how I would feel if I were able to survive something like that. Sure. You'd have like guilt and like, you know, probably some tough nights and nightmares and stuff, but I feel like the overarching feeling would be one of like yeah value your life yeah <laughs> that's a good line from highlander because he's immortal and he's like and he's talking to these mortals and he's like you only have one life value it <sighs> yeah it's like i don't know what i'm supposed to feel other than like you said i mean it it definitely scratches like the guilt porn kind of like like with in Rosie Perez's character, like some, some pretty rough scenes and like thinking about what her mindset must've been, but they also have this stuff in the background. Like I know we're getting close here, but, uh, and not to belabor this thing, but the, like in the background with the lawyer and like, he has this thing too, where he's like, he's like, I, he can only tell the truth. Yeah. He's like way more blunt and like, (laughs) It's like, yeah, why wouldn't you want your poor friend, like his wife to be destitute or potentially, or, you know, like miss out on money from these fucking, this corporate, this airline that they're just going to write off anyway. And they got insurance. It's like, what, what do you give a fuck? Like, you're going to be Mr. Honest and truthful. And like, I don't know. And then he just, he's like, okay, I'll do it. Like, yeah. Dumb. Later I was like. Why'd you, why'd you give in so easily if you're so like, oh, like truth and like living right on the edge. And I mean, one of the lines I did find poignant, maybe that around the three quarter mark is when, um, he tell Jeff Bridges tells Rosie Perez, you're dead. We're dead. You know, like she's like, what are you saying? I'm dead. Like trying to fuck with my mind. He's like, no, like you died up here already. And then it kind of shows like the masses. I think when they're maybe at the mall and it just, you know, everyday people going about their lives and there's people laughing in the background. He's like, they don't get it, but we do, you know, like they have, like he has some like secret of the universe that's that not everybody else knows because they've been that close to death and seen it. So somehow, 
to me that made it sound cocky like oh so are you like somehow better than everyone else it's like we're all aware of you die and we're gonna you know (laughs) it's like that's i don't want to have that experience and like have to live the rest of my life that doesn't make you better than all of us somehow like that's that's just kind of like the air i got from it it's like well fuck you it's like does me dying mean any less than you yeah and all the like uh drawings and paintings didn't really get that but the only one i thought was interesting which i i looked up later i didn't know this but it's one of them is um a hieronymus bosch painting i only know like the name because it always stuck out he's got some weird it's worth taking a google at some hieronymus bosch paintings they're fucking wild kind of like um think of like dante's inferno like he's got like a 12 or seven layers of hell that's like super wild and almost kind of like salvador dolly like the melting clock and shit like really weird fucking imagery but he has that one at the end where it's like that tunnel and it's like you yeah you, you die naked and alone or whatever <clears throat> and you see a light at the tunnel just pointing that out that that was one of his famous paintings um showing you know like the end of life and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever but yeah the rest of them were just like fucking like circles like dark like black enigmas like he's like (laughs) i mean it must have been pretty freaky for the wife like seeing like fuck this is what he's been doing up here like late at night i thought he was working on the next fucking schematic for the skyscraper he was that's his job you know he's up here just losing his mind yeah, I mean, we don't have to beat beat this horse. It's already dead. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for it. I think I, I probably got maybe a little bit more out, or I, I don't. I don't dislike it as much as you do, but it's definitely, definitely one I I won't recommend or watch again probably ever. So this brings us down a full percentage point so we're sitting at an 87 percent approval rate right now um yeah i don't know what we got on i I need to we need to come back strong with a win next week so have you ever seen the nice guys yeah 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 did you like that i did yeah that's a pretty fun flick well kind of weird kind of long Damn. Okay. That was, that was going to be one of the ones I was like, this, this is probably a ringer. I think maybe, I don't know. We'll think about it. There's a few things. Have you ever seen Manhunter? No. It is the first in the, the Hannibal Lecter. It was before. Oh, is that the Silence one with the the Brian Cox? Yep. I haven't. I've heard good things. Pretty good. William Peterson, the dad from fear. Uh, he was in CSI. He's in a bunch of cool shit in like the late eighties with Reese Witherspoon and Marky Wahlberg. Never seen it. Just let me in your house. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Straight chilling actually just, uh, did an episode on fear not too long ago. Yeah. That's a, that was 96 too. Um, okay. So I'll update the socials. Maybe, maybe we'll give uh, Manhunter a crack. Cause that, that one's got, that one's got a lot of uh it's got a pretty big ensemble cast and it's really good. Um the dude who play plays Ike Clinton in Tombstone. 
lodges don't go around here. Oh, right yeah. <laughs> he's in it and he is unrecognizable. I can't wait. Yeah. I won't tell you who it is. And if you watch it, you'd be like, who the fuck was Ike Clinton? You'll never guess in a million years. That'll be a fun side tangent. Um, all right. So maybe that will keep you guys updated. Uh, you got any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Steve? Oh, no, I don't think so. Are you watching the new True Detective right now? No. No, you're not into it? I'm not feeling it. I'm not really digging it. You're not missing anything, in my opinion. But Definitely check out Fargo. If you get you get dry on material, you're looking for something dope to check out. It's, a, it's an excellent show. Um, cool. All right. Well, uh, if you guys have any questions, comments concerns hate mail uh you can email us at wax at waxing the porpoise.com uh either of our socials you can reach us uh instagram is at waxing the porpoise and twitter x is at waxing the porp um quick shout out uh to ghoulish university uh we're that was our, our last episode thanks again for them coming on uh and then i was actually just uh, fortunate enough to uh, go on the straight chilling uh, podcast. They, they invited me on for Shaun of the dead that just released uh, a couple days ago. So yeah, check them out. Thanks again to them crew uh, for having me on. That was a really, really special moment for me. Really, really cool to, to be able to rap with those guys. So check them out in our, our archives. We've had each of them on, uh, on previous episodes that were that were all bangers too so yeah thanks for joining us and we'll see you when we see you and we'll see you later do i have a fun bomb today